Hello, digital marketer listeners. I am your co-host, Mandy McEwen, and I am super excited for our special guest today, Matt Johnson. Matt is the agency owner, podcaster, author, and all-around badass. Matt and I have been friends for quite some time now, so thanks so much for joining us, Matt. I'm super honored. I've never been on Digital Marker anything, so this is the first for me. Right on. Excited to have you. So, Matt, would you mind giving our listeners a quick rundown about you and your business? Okay. So the quick story is I produce podcasts. We work with a lot of coaches, speaker, consultant, author, trainer types. That's my people. And I have an amazing team, really great systems and stuff like that. So I live in San Diego, a few blocks from the beach. I run the agency in about four hours a week. And the rest of the time I get to go do cool things like hosting podcasts and having conversations like this. It also allowed me the free time to write the book, which came out in 2020. And then, yeah, I get to investigate fun things like you and I are, are checking out crypto and NFTs and stuff like that. Now I have the, uh, the free time to dabble into other areas, which is fun. I love that. Um, but yeah, five years ago, I was just some dude working in somebody else's agency and got the shot to get into business development, which led to doing live Google Hangouts. That led kind of accidentally to doing podcasting. And my first big podcast took off. That was Real Estate Uncensored, which has 2 million uh, downloads. And that paved awesome. the way for everything else. I essentially got pulled out of the coaching consulting world into podcast production by all my friends and and like people in I my world that, that <laughs> needed that. Yeah, because podcasting just was working really, really well and still does to attract, especially like coaching consulting clients. It works mm -hmm. amazingly well for that. And th those were all my, you know, friends and connections at the time. So yeah, I leaned hard into that, got out of everything else and just focused on building the agency and simplified my life. And now I'm much, much happier. I love it. That's like a mm -hmm. ultimate agency success story right there, everyone. Here you have it, the poster <laughs> child, Matt Johnson. That's right. Be like Matt. <laughs> <laughs> so what we are going to talk about today, everyone, is very fascinating. I think you guys will like this episode. So we are going to talk about the Joe Rogan effect and how you can be like Joe and build an amazing brand and content and culture. And we're also going to talk a little bit about why social media doesn't really work the way it used to anymore. So we will get to that mm -hmm. when we come right back. This is Digital Marketer. Hey, it's Mark DeGrasse here, and I've got a question for you. What if you could legally get the emails of almost every person who visits your site? Seriously, what if you could safely and respectfully retarget your website visitors via email just by dropping a pixel onto your site? It might sound too good to be true, but our new sponsors at getemails.com can do just that. They've created a system that's compliant with US laws and regulations, and every email address they send you is opted in to receive emails. So that means that you can connect your anonymous website visitors to real people and safely retarget them through email with real-time, fully compliant interactions. It might sound too good to be true, but trust me, it works. The CEO, Adam Robinson, is brilliant. And he believes in his product so much that he's willing to do something a little crazy for digital marketer listeners. If you go through their easy 30-minute onboarding process and haven't 5x your investment within the first six months, they'll give you all of your money back. To take advantage of the offer, go to getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. That's getemails.com slash digitalmarketer. So... Matt and I were talking before we hit the record button about a lot per usual, and mm -hmm. he was talking about something fascinating related to Joe Rogan. And I really want to talk about this because I think you guys are going to enjoy this. So 
I don't do any of this justice. So I'm just going to hand it over to Matt right now to give you guys the rundown of what we're talking about here. And then I will chime in accordingly. So go for it. Okay. All right. So the big question that everybody has about Joe Rogan is like, how did he get to be where he's at? And everybody looks at it and goes like, he's not, you know, like he's a good interviewer, smart guy, but not setting the world on fire. Like Tim Ferriss asks arguably better questions in my opinion, right? Mm -hmm. There's people that are more skilled interviewers. He's almost the exception that proves the rule when it comes to long form content. Like what other podcaster gets away with three hour long episodes? Nobody's sitting there and listening to either of us <laughs> right. for three hours at a time, right. right? In a world where um, attention spans are getting shorter, somehow he gets away with super long, super slow paced, relaxed episodes. Like he's just, it's it, he's hard to, he's hard to quantify how he gets away with what he gets away with. But mm -hmm. I can quantify this. Rogan has ridden four distinct, separate, huge cultural waves, cultural and technological waves in order to get where he got. And I would argue if one or more of those didn't come along at the right time, or if he didn't make the right moves, he wouldn't be what we think of as, as he is today. Mm -hmm. He would just be some guy who's a comedian, who's a stand up working comedian who has a podcast, like about a thousand others who get some downloads, but you don't really think of they're not a cultural influence. So if you go back so Rogan gets into stand-up comedy at the tail end of the 80s stand-up comedy boom. Are you a stand-up comedy fan at all? Not really. I mean, I like to laugh. Not really. Not really a stand-up comedy. That's a shame. Okay. No, all right. I, mean, I, I like it, but um, like, I don't, you know. Go yeah, out of just my like it's there, it. the, it's there in the it's there in the but you're not really involved. Right. Okay. So so stand-up comedy goes through this huge cultural wave. You know, Steve Martin selling out arenas and stuff like that in the late 70s, and Richard Pryor and George Carlin. And then you have all the 80s with Seinfeld gets huge and right. So you have all these in the early 90s, all these people start transitioning, all these stand-up comedians get TV shows, right? Mm -hmm. Seinfeld comes out. Paul Reiser's on Mad About You. Like you just, right, it was a huge wave in the culture. Even Drew Carey got a show, for God's sake. And that was a good show. So Rogan gets into this stand-up comedy. He catches the tail end, basically, of the stand-up comedy boom, right? And then people forget he was on news radio. Do you remember that show, mid-90s? News radio? News radio. I mean, I, news radio. the name sounds familiar, but I don't remember anything about it. So the thing that most people remember about it, it was the last thing that Phil Hartman did before oh, he was okay before his tragic demise right uh -huh. so he was on it for five years and that's what ended essentially it ended news radio's run so news radio runs like 94 to 99 so mid 90s it actually launched like six months after friends comes out right so okay. it, it's in that it's in that time frame where friends is going seinfeld's going mad about you and wings were still on like when news radio yes. comes out and joe rogan's on this sitcom wings is your lead-in show Gotcha. And we're talking about tens of millions of people, right, getting exposed to Joe Rogan every week on national TV. Now, he wasn't the star of the show, but that is where he got his, like, first big exposure, right? Mm -hmm. So then he comes out of news radio, and it's, like, 2000. He's working on his his comedy kind of based around him, almost like an Everybody Loves Raymond. He, like, he's the centerpiece of the show. But then Fear Factor comes along. This is, like, a few months after Survivor comes out, whatever. And, and NBC wants their answer to Survivor because they can see this reality TV show just blowing up. So they go, okay, they approach Joe Rogan and they offer him the Fear Factor slot. He says, yes. Bam, Fear Factor has an amazing run of about three seasons where it just explodes. And it's, again, a cultural icon. And then it starts to slide and has a couple more seasons where it declines. As it's declining, guess what's exploding? UFC. So behind the scenes of hosting Fear Factor, Joe Rogan's been hanging out, doing announcing, doing this, doing that, backstage, whatever. Some of it's unpaid. He takes a step back and then he jumps back in when Dana White plays a bigger part in UFC. UFC starts to explode in 2005, right? 
So Rogan parlays that into more stand-up gigs, and then he launches the podcast in 09 at the crest of like UFC hitting its huge mainstream popularity, right? So then Joe Rogan starts experimenting with live streaming. He launches the podcast. He's on, you know, Justin TV, the, the precursor to Twitch. Like he's trying out a whole bunch of stuff. Well, the podcast hits, right? It takes him six months and he's in the top 100 on iTunes. He's early. He finally caught a wave super, super early. Mm -hmm. So, so he catches these four distinct waves, right? So he catches stand-up comedy, reality TV at like the very beginning of what we think of as reality TV, not, mm -hmm. not real world MTV, but like survivor, American idol, all that stuff. He catches the, the fairly early on in that wave. Then he catches UFC at its absolute peak once it really started to explode into people's consciousness. It'd been around for a long time before that, but like the mid 2000s, boom. And then he catches podcasting, bam, right at the early days. We're talking like six months after Adam Carolla, maybe a year after Mark Marin. I mean, early, early, early into podcasting game. So you look at that and you go, okay, he catches four big cultural waves. He also catches some smaller waves like the 90s sitcom, you know, because it was a huge wave, but he didn't really like he wasn't a leader in it. He also catches like live streaming on YouTube, you know, streaming on Justin TV, like all these like smaller waves in the culture. Mm -hmm. He was involved in all of them. So to me, there, there's a few lessons actually that I take away. The big one is like you got to find a wave in the culture that's like moving. It's already moving. And all you just do is grab the surfboard and ride it. Like it's really hard to get out there in the ocean and splash around and create a wave. Like odds are you're not going to be very effective. <laughs> but if you can find a wave that's already moving, like Joe Rogan did, that's the first key. And then I think the next things are just you you basically catch uh, those waves as early as you can, right? As early as humanly possible. You're not going to catch every one of them early. But if you stay on the lookout, you might catch the next one early. And then just when one wave starts to lose steam like you did with fear factor and like with news radio and stuff like that. You don't try to stay riding the same wave. You got to look around, take a step back, take a deep breath and go, okay, what's the next wave? What's the next thing that's coming? Right. Mm -hmm. We were talking about just where social media is at. And I think we're at the, we're coming to the tail end of a social media wave where a lot of people got really famous in our space by riding different waves within social media. And now those waves are coming to an end. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what do they do now? Well, either they can keep riding and keep, you know, just ride the wave right back into the, the beach or they can get off and try to find a new wave. So anyway, that's to me, that's how that's how Joe Rogan got famous is riding those cultural waves. Obviously, he's good at what he does. Obviously, there's skill. Obviously, there's timing. But he was catching really huge waves in the culture. And that's to me, that's the biggest lesson that we can learn is to start looking around and looking at what are the waves going on in, in the culture and how can we surf them as opposed to trying to create our own. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I don't I don't even know if like the the social media wave is necessarily coming to an end as much as it's like there's a new wave, right? Like there's a new wave <laughs> coming. And so it's the old I guess the old wave is just turning into something new, right? So you and I were talking yeah. before about how and I talk about this all the time uh, with my LinkedIn training is you guys can't just expect to throw out content anymore on LinkedIn or any platform mm -hmm. and expect for it to work. It's not like that anymore. You have to put forth the effort. You were talking about people just want to pay money for social media managers to make posts for them. And that's fine and dandy, yeah. but like, don't expect it to do anything. It's not going to do anything aside, maybe make your brand look decent, right? Like, okay, yeah, mm -hmm. they, they yeah. have their, they're updating their content across their social platforms, but that's it. That's it. It's not yeah. driving customers. It's not driving engagement. Mm -hmm. And the days that 
that were that could happen are over. Like you were mentioning earlier, like we're competing with cat videos and craziness, you know, it's like people's attention <laughs> now, like as business yeah. people here, like we're up against a lot, a lot of amazing content. It's, it's a matter of always being ready to pivot and ride the next wave, just like you said, but you have to be agile in our industry. Like you can't, like, this is mm -hmm. not a place to be for people who don't like change and don't like to be uncomfortable. But like, we are in this business no. as marketers that like you, ha we have to adapt. We have to change. I don't know how many yeah. times I've pivoted my business, Matt, even since I've known you, right? I don't know yes. how many times yeah. I've pivoted, probably four or five since I met you, you know, years ago. <laughs> I'm not recommending that's a good thing to anyone. Entrepreneur <laughs> ADD at its finest right here. I'm not condoning that, yeah. but I did have to, I did, I had to, in some instances, like I right. had to see where yeah. the market was going and I had to pivot whether I wanted to or not. That's just how we have to do things. So yeah. it's, it's encouraging too. We're talking about this just so people realize that timing and paying attention to what's happening in the world around us is very important. Like you can't just sit behind a computer yeah. all day and drill away and shut the outside world out and expect to have loads of success. Like that doesn't work anymore. You could do that back in the day when I started 2007, you could actually get away with doing that. You know, if things are changed, they, they've, they've changed a lot. Mm -hmm. like you can't, you can no longer do that. So with that said, Matt, I want to ask you, because we're talking about this and we're talking about riding the waves, we're talking about how social is changing. What, what is your recommendation for people who they, they want to, they want to get active on social media. They want to start putting content out there, but they want it to be meaningful. They want it to drive results. They want yeah. it to drive an impact. What do you, what do you say? Okay. First thing I'd say is get really clear, probably on your personality and what you enjoy. You know, if you're, if you're an effervescent personality and you like dancing around, like you just, if you dance around in your normal life, then hop on TikTok because that might actually be really good for you. No human alive has ever seen me dance because it's not something that I <laughs> I'm pretty much do. with you. I'm more like, like this, yeah. so like I'll move my shoulders yeah, and yeah. stuff, but like, I'm not a dancer either. And like, no one wants to see me dance, you know, even when I'm under the influence, like my dancing is pretty comical. So yeah. Yeah, I, tr so I tried to country line dance and I found oh, out God. I was incompetent at that too. Oh, I wouldn't oh, yeah. even attempt yeah, yeah. to line dance. You're brave. Really? You're brave, Matt. Yeah, no, uh, I don't even attempt. I just watch other people. <laughs> and I'm like, good for you. You guys are great. I have two left That's feet. Right. I'll be grabbing it. a drink at the bar. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right. But certain uh, certain social media platforms will come along and have come along that that are really good fits for certain personality types or just your specific personality, right? So if, if TikTok or something like that, which right now is the big wave in the culture, mm -hmm. you can ride it certainly if you're the right personality type. If you're not the right personality type and you don't genuinely enjoy it, I wouldn't be there. Or um, let's talk about where people. your market is first of all. You know what I well, mean? That too. Like if your market's yeah. not on TikTok and you like to dance, don't waste your time dancing on TikTok because you're not. <laughs> unless you do it for personal reasons, like by all means, if that makes you happy, right. please, please, please do whatever makes you happy. Right? I, I condone yeah. happiness in all forms. But that's called a hobby. That's, that's called a marketing. hobby. Right, right, right. We're talking about marketing <laughs> here. Like rule number one: only hang out where your peeps hang out. You know? Yes, yes. That that does start with that. Yeah. Yes. So for me, like I'm an extroverted introvert. Right. So I can, I can turn it on when I need to. I can, I, I love public speaking. It's great, whatever, but I don't have the energy to, to do the things that extroverts, I don't have the energy to be a digital extrovert. Certainly like document your, your day on social media. I've done all that stuff. Uh, even when it works, it's exhausting, right. For, for somebody exhausting. like me. I think it it's exhausting, exhausting for so, anyone so, really. I mean, even extroverts. It's I kind don't know. Of you know, you say that, but I know plenty of people that are extroverts that get a, such a huge kick out of 
the feedback they get from social media that they don't get tired of it. Yeah, I don't know, man. But I don't I think can't that'll relate. ever be I me. And I'm an extroverted extrovert. No. Like I'm pretty extroverted and it is for me to, I mean, one or two things here and there a day, not a big deal, but like the endless stories and stuff, like story after story after story on Instagram yeah, you don't really Facebook do that. every day. I, I can't. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's exhausting. No. Like I'm with you. No, so my brain doesn't work that way. Yeah, same. Yeah. But no, I would call us digital introverts, and and yeah, I have clients true. like that where You're they're right. huge extroverts in real life. Yeah, yeah, really good point. But like you, like you that. probably, you and I are probably both on social media to the extent that we are for business. And if it wasn't for that, right. we wouldn't be on most of those You're platforms. You're one hundred percent correct. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so for people like us, here's what I'm doing. I can, I can only tell you what like I. It depends on your personality, but I can tell you what I'm doing and what what I think the cultural waves are next. So number one is YouTube. So getting more more active there and creating videos where the work and the effort that you put in can pay off for five years instead of a 24-hour video mm-hmm. on an Instagram reel or something mm-hmm. like that, right? Mm-hmm. Which for, you know, in a lot of cases would take you quite a bit of effort to come up with something that's incredibly totally. viral. You know, you put that same effort into YouTube and you can still be getting clients off that video five years from now. So YouTube is one. The second thing is Substack. Yes. So I enjoy writing and I enjoy reading. So I'm signed up to five or six of my favorite influencers slash journalists or whatever. Some are political, some are in the crypto space, for example. And I go out of my way every day to read their stuff because it adds that much value. So I'm not interested in following them on Twitter. For those. Uh, in some cases, they're free. In some cases, I'll pay five bucks a month for their for their gotcha. content if it's okay. good enough. And you have your own Substack? I do have my own. Yep. So if you just look up Microfamous. Yeah. And for, and for me, I think I'm going to ramp it up and turn it into almost like a daily email, like your classic Ben Settle email strategy. Okay. I'm going to start ramping up the frequency. Cool. And uh, Substack just came out with its own app. So now you can read all this stuff inside of the Substack app. Oh, I think nice. the smart play for Substack, and I think this is where they're going, is to start adding some little bit of social elements into the Substack app. Okay. So they're going to they're going to be able to take it out of the email ecosystem where Gmail can start throwing your stuff into the spam folder and people are going to be looking at your stuff on the Substack app, which is way more ideal. It's a much quieter custom built place for that type of content, almost like Medium used to be before mm-hmm. Medium started trailing off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think Substack has a chance to have that same kind of trajectory. But if they're smart, they'll build in more social stuff so that things are easier to find, easier to spread and share. So maybe Substack might be a place where you actually do have a chance to go viral or hit their top 10 list of recommended blogs in your space and stuff like oh, that. Cool. And if that's like, that's one of the things that I'm betting on is I want to be in the place where at least for now, that's the the only place where there's any buzz around written content. Yeah. Right. Good point. I mean, I just, I mean, LinkedIn's newsletter thing was kind of, you know, for a while. And then I don't, I don't hear much about that anymore. And yeah, it's I mean, so I just good. feel like Medium like was great for a while. But yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I mean, it's, is it still invite only? No, anyone can use it. Anyone can launch no. their newsletter. Okay. I haven't even launched mine yet. I talked about it today actually on another podcast and I'm mm-hmm. being strategic about it. As I'm kind of embarrassed actually that I'm like the LinkedIn person. I talk about it and I'm like, no, I don't have my own because I have my own newsletter, email <laughs> newsletter, but it sends yeah. out a notification to all your, you know, 30,000 plus connections of mine when, when you do it. And like, I need to have a plan. Oh, like, okay. I need a strategy. And like, cause people mm-hmm. expect that, like you got to have one and then you got to have another and then you get, you know what I mean? 
Like, I can't just, like, willy-nilly throw it out there and be like, oh, and then be like, oh, what do I do, you know? (laughs) So I haven't even done it yet. I haven't even launched it yet. But everyone that I've talked to, all my friends that do it, love it. They say it's amazing. Do they? LinkedIn newsletter feature, yes. So for those of you listening, try it out. Yeah, and I think Substack has some catching up to that. So LinkedIn had a built-in user subscriber base where they could just basically launch a newsletter thing, and all of a sudden they can notify tens of thousands of people. Substack has to build up to that. They're, They're on their way. But anyway... So those are the two things that I'm looking at, that if you're a digital introvert like we are, those are the yeah. areas you, that you should be looking at is LinkedIn newsletters, Substack, YouTube, depending on whether you're comfortable on video like and it. just do the stuff that that suits your personality. And uh, yeah, maybe it'll be like Seth Godin, where Seth Godin caught the initial blogging wave along with his credibility from writing books. And he just, you know, like he, he writes, he podcasts and he appears as guests on other people's YouTube videos and podcasts and stuff like that. And that's mainly his his strategy. I think that kind of stuff still works as long as you pick your platforms intelligently and pick them in accordance with your personality. To me, that's where the big hope is. I don't think it's in trying to get yourself to do things on TikTok that you think are dumb. It's to go to the places where <laughs> where they are growing, but they are suitable for your personality. Hey, Ryan Dice here. You know, it's been a while since I've run the day-to-day for Digital Marketer, the company that Roland and I are partners in. Fortunately, we have a great team and great partners who help us with all that nitty-gritty stuff now. But the one thing that we focused on while I was there and the one thing the team still focuses on to this day is optimizing everything. I'm talking testing everything from the sales copy to the color of the checkout button. Testing like this can have a huge impact on your bottom line, but the truth is it takes a lot of time and a lot of resources. And half the time, we were just throwing stuff against the wall just to kind of see what stuck. But the good news is you don't have to figure everything out on your own anymore. And that's because our friends at Conversion Fanatics have optimized hundreds of sites in all types of industries from small startups to Fortune 500s. And now they can handle all your testing and optimization for you too. So if you feel stuck when it comes to optimizing your website, go and visit conversionfanatics.com and they'll give you a list of custom suggestions to optimize your site 100% free. Once again, you can find them at conversionfanatics.com. And then also make sure you're branding yourself as the expert in one specific thing too. I want to I want to bring mm-hmm. that up because I feel like so many entrepreneurs and, and marketers in general make the mistake of they're trying to do everything when it comes to their content right. or being branding, you know, themselves a personal brand. And you need to pick one thing that you really want to be known for, right? Like, and yeah. that's what you stick with. And you can add things later, but like when you're the jack of all trades, you really are attracting no one, you know? So the days of yeah. the days of us being amazing quote digital marketers and digital marketers only like those days are gone like what the hell are you talking about digital marketing like be specific what type of digital marketing you know there's so many channels there's so many tactics it's like you you know as agencies you know there's a lot of agencies that do everything like my agency mod girl marketing like we did a lot a lot a lot Mm -hmm. of, of and that and that was fine in the early days we were able to do that but as time went on, I realized like that's that we can't do this anymore. Like we have to pick an angle here. We have to pick a niche, yeah. not just a, a target market on who we're going after, but what are we going to be known for? And that's why we're yeah. the LinkedIn peeps now, right? I'm known as the LinkedIn girl, and and we do it, but we do a lot of other things. But I'm not 
SEO is my jam, but you don't ever see me talking about SEO. I'm really freaking good at it. And I, I have never heard you that's what I'm utter saying. the word once. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> because it's not necessary. Like, I'm not trying to get SEO clients, but like, it's my specialty. Right. I'm really good at it. And I apply it mm-hmm. to everything I do. But if I was out there saying like, hire me for SEO, hire me for blogging, which isn't even really a thing anymore. But you know what I mean? Hire SEO blogging kind of for Google. But you know, that, right. that's totally different. But it doesn't work anymore. So you guys have to get super specific about like Matt says, your personality with the channel that it matches up to, the type of content that you want to put out there, who you're going after, who's going to be best suited for your offerings, and then what it is exactly you want to be known for. Like pick one angle of what you do. It doesn't have to be marketing. Like we can talk about anything here, but you need to be known as that person that is really freaking good at that one thing. And that's how you build a personal brand that stands the test of time and generates loads of exposure and revenue for you. Uh, If you do it like a lot of people are doing it, where they're just going out there and just putting crap up that is broad and not meaningful and makes you question Mm -hmm. what it is that they're doing exactly or what it is that they offer, it's just, it's going to fall flat. And and so many people are doing that. There's not enough people that are- We've been pushed to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so this is just us, Matt and I, encouraging you guys to find your thing Go out there, make it happen, but be really, really strategic when you do it. Because the last thing that we want is for you to spend a bunch of time creating contents and, and resources and it not paying off. And that's what happens, I feel yeah. like, for a lot of people. They, they are out there. And, yeah. and I mentioned this earlier on a podcast earlier. I said, I have people coming up to me all the time and they're like, coming up to me. That's funny, as if I'm in person. <laughs> I mean, I was in person two weeks ago in San Diego, but okay. Coming up to yeah. me, messaging me, whatever. <laughs> say like, Mandy, I'm posting this amazing content on LinkedIn and and it's just not working. It's not driving business and I'm not getting results. I'm spending all this time. And I always ask them, well, are you building relationships? Are you sending connection requests? Are you engaging with other people's content? Are you leaving comments on other people's content? And nine times out of 10, the answer is no. And so how can you expect your content to work when you are not putting in the time and effort to build real relationships and engage with other people on any platform, not just LinkedIn. This goes for any platform. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work that way anymore. You can't just post content and expect for people. And this is what we talked about earlier. Expect for people to come flooding in, you have to put forth the effort. So uh, going back to what we were talking about, I'm picking an an avenue and a channel here. You better like that channel too. And you better like the people on it because you're going to spend a lot of time engaging with those people. So you really need to be strategic about this. Like, don't spend your time scattered through six different social media sites. Like you don't need to be active on TikTok and Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. You don't need to. You can still leverage content on LinkedIn and then repost it on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. You can still leverage content on other platforms, but don't make those platforms your focus. You need to pick one. And mm-hmm. then once you're good at that one, then you can branch off to another one. But you're right. Things yeah. are completely changing and we have to we have to change accordingly. Otherwise, we will get left in the dust. That is true. (laughs) Yeah, cultural waves are shifting. Technological waves will always shift. There'll always be a new wave. What's sad is you learn this about, you can see it in marketing, you can see it in business, and you can also see it in the stock market. Um, Mm -hmm. The companies that get big in one market are almost never the ones that lead the next market. And because it's really hard, it's really hard to catch that, catch the next wave. Now, those of us that are sitting back just being in the marketing game for decades, we, we have the luxury of sit like we don't have to lead the next way. We don't have to be the head of the company that, that, you know, is bringing these things in. But yeah, I mean, odds are the next big wave that we have in marketing, Gary Vee's not going to be on the forefront. 
Mm-hmm. That's just the the likelihood well, is very got very small. He's friends, man. He's in the he's in the crypto, the NFT oh, space. Oh, I know. He's oh, he's yeah, you he's know? yeah, exactly. He's leading <laughs> leading the NFT space, sure. But that's you know, and that's okay. It's it's our job to keep up, and not you don't have to keep up with every trend. You're looking for right. you're looking for whatever wave is right for you. Yes. So, for example, yes, like yes, you yes. found your place in LinkedIn. LinkedIn is still it's not the latest greatest fad, mm-hmm. you know. That's that's ev- that everybody's talking about. It's a long term trend in marketing, mm-hmm. right? It's something you can depend on. It's going to be here five, 10 years from now, probably being very, very similar. It is a long-term trend, long-term wave in the culture. And something else may come along and you might shift to it or you might not. You might go, hey, I'm super happy over here and I'm going to let that trend play out over somewhere else and I'll wait for the next one. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's, a, it's about finding the alignment of what you're good at and what new big wave is coming along in cultural or technology. And yeah, I think now is just uh, a time to be on the lookout. I don't know whether it's going to be maybe, you know, it'll be in the metaverse and we'll all be surfing social media with the headset on, you know, with a (laughs) big bulbous thing on our face, or it'll be something completely different that we don't, we don't even know that it's coming yet. But yeah, that's, I'm excited for that because there was a lot of like, that's where fortunes are made. That's where personal brands are built. Personal brands are built on big cultural waves. They are not built on that person being better at it than everyone else in their space. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. And speaking of metaverse, you are starting a new podcast, right? Crypto podcast. Mm-hmm. Will you tell our listeners yeah. a little crypto, bit about that? Crypto for entrepreneurs. So by the time this comes out, it'll probably be out and ready. And essentially, we're obsessed with one question, which is what's the entrepreneur's edge? We're all entrepreneurs. We're all marketers. We all understand that stuff. We understand business. Does that give us an edge in crypto investing? Are we the dumb money? Are we the smart money? And if we're the dumb money now, let's like, how do we figure it out as quickly as possible so that we are the smart money? Because if you're in business, like you want, you don't want to just sit your money in the bank and watch it lose 8% a year due to inflation. Like we've worked really, really hard to make a profit in our business. And who wants to see it just erode due to bad fiscal policy? Right. Yeah. Like we want to put our money into something that can add profit to our to our life and, and and improve our life so that's why i got uh into it into checking it out i'm sure that's why you got into it is we all have profits from our business and we're looking to grow them as opposed to watch them shrink every exactly. single year so but we're trying to find what what is the advantage do entrepreneurs have an advantage and if so what so that we're just talking to as many people as we can to get down to the root of that so we're talking to people that are experts on the crypto side. We're also talking about people that are that come from the entrepreneur space that are getting into crypto and that are just farther ahead on that journey than you and I are and know a little bit more about it and know what the pitfalls are and know who the, the right influencers are to pay attention. We're just trying to track as many of those people down. So if anybody's listening and you're that person, I, I want to hear from you. Let's connect and let's get you on the show. Love it. Well, looking forward yeah. to that. I will check it out, Matt. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your lovely San Diego beach day to chat with me in Hawaii. I am not a surfer. I was going to say, I know you're suffering over I know, there in I'm Hawaii. Really suffering. So I, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I had to throw that out there, though. Your whole like, well, uh-huh. I spend time at the beach four hours a week. Yeah, I work, you know. Mm-hmm. Glorious life you live, Matt. I love it. <laughs> so tell the listeners what is the best way to find you, follow you, get in touch with you. Let's actually go go uh, to Substack and just search for Microfamous and they'll get my uh, my updates. Right now they go out two to three times a week. Like I said, I'll be stepping that up as I have more to share. And that's the best place to get both of my podcasts that I host. So all the updates go out there. So just Substack. Awesome. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Matt. And I hope you guys enjoyed this. If you did, please share it. Talk soon. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up. 
because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.